Flashback, July 17, 2019 on this, the 32nd anniversary of the great cinematic classic RoboCop hitting theaters. <laughs> it's time now, it's the middle of the week, and it means it's part two of our mid-year Oscars report, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. If you missed part one, we went over that last week, and what we did in that episode was we're dividing all of the Academy Awards categories up into three parts, looking forward as what's going to happen this award season, and what's likely to happen, what should happen, what we want to happen. Uh, for that, today we we're covering seven more categories. We're going to talk about original screenplay, supporting actor, costume design, animated feature, makeup and hairstyling, cinematography, and end with talking about the best actress category. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also Mike. Also Mike here, and I feel whole again. I feel like a whole person talking Oscars. Yeah. We're back. It's been a while. We're back. And it's it's great. And it was too I, long. The off season was a little. It lingered a little this year. It lingered. I think there wasn't as many major Oscar films to come out early. I would wholeheartedly agree with that. And we did these rewatches, which have been fabulous. We've yeah. had a blast with those, but they've been a lot of work. Yes, we're both looking at each other with weary eyes right now. <laughs> but this energizes me. Yeah. And just this document that we have, this beautiful Google document in front of us, really energizes me because we're going to do a quick summary of some honorable mentions, some contenders in the category. Then we're going to give a front runner, a likely nom, and a wild card pick. So that'll be six different picks total, Mike. Ideally. Perhaps. <laughs> You're going to get like a conversation. Yeah. Your movie talk fix about at least... Five, four movies. Yeah, and that's the point of this, just to keep an eye out and keep you aware of what's coming in the pipeline and what can you expect to be a contender come awards season. Like Mike said, he just laid it out for you, talking about front runners, and then we're going for likely knobs and wild card picks, which could be something we like, something we hope has a chance, something we want you to keep an eye on, etc. So let's start off and no more ado. Whatever that means, let's talk about original screenplay, Michael. <laughs> original screenplay, some honorable mentions here. The Report, that's going to be the Annette Benning film. We got The Farewell, which is coming out soon to us. I was upset that it didn't hit theaters around us. Yeah, it's this been week. out in New York for a couple weeks already. We got the untitled Noah Bomback project, which is going to be the name of various punk bands that come out <laughs> or whatever band, whatever music the kids are playing. That's going to be a name of one of their bands. Or Greta Gerwig's man. That's, yeah. com that's coming to Netflix. The Pope is also coming to Netflix. We got Dolomite Is My Name with Eddie Murphy and Wesley Snipes. We got Parasite, which won the Palme d'Or. Mm. Or Door. Yeah. At Cannes. The Palme d'Or. And we got a star-studded lineup for The Laundromat. That's Steven Soderbergh's movie. So yeah, that's getting a lot of press. My front runner for this category of original screenplay, of course, is Once Upon a Time, dot, dot, dot. In Hollywood. Yeah. What's well, up with the dot, 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 though? He's a big fan of uh, ellipses. Apparently. <laughs> Apparently he is. So Tarantino has won this category twice for Pulp Fiction and for Django Unchained. This film has high scores coming out of the Cannes Film Festival that are pretty spectacular, including an 88 meta score or yeah. a ridiculously high Rotten Tomato count. Scores that make you think when a Tarantino movie is viewed this high... Where are they going to give the credit? I mean, he's most known for his writing. I'm thinking they're going to allocate the credit towards that screenplay. Plus, this is kind of, sort of, maybe, perhaps a movie about making movies. Yeah, and Hollywood tends to shine and smile <laughs> on those for sure. I was a little surprised, honestly, that this didn't win anything at Cannes, especially because of how intertwined Tarantino is with Cannes, specifically, as far as the film festival there goes. But I uh, did look back, and Django didn't go to Cannes, and Pulp Fiction didn't win Best Screenplay there either back in 95. I don't know if that's really telling or not. It won something there, though. It won the Palme d'Or. Yeah, well, yeah, okay. So Gross. overall. And that you're kind of making the case there of what I think might happen here is that if Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is such a heavy favorite and director and picture, then maybe they give something else to screenplay anyway, and that's how this doesn't end up as the winner for screenplay. That would be ironic. Just if to it's spread the love. Easily yeah. the best screenplay right. of the year, and he doesn't it's win it. so good that they can't award it. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I'm filling time. Yes, of course. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the answer. It's the front runner right now. It's Tarantino. Everybody's looking forward to that, and, and I don't know how you can pick anything else right now. Do you want to know what beat, I started to say it, Pulp Fiction at the 1994 for Cannes Film Festival. Oh, I think we talked about this, didn't we? No, yeah, there's ne no movie podcast in the history of mankind has ever talked about this. Well, what is it? Gross Fatigue. What is that? I don't know. <laughs> it's a better script than Pulp Fiction, though, apparently. According to Man, the he got French. hosed in uh, 94 and 92, talking about what happened at the Indie Film Spirit Awards, too. Exactly. I got beat out there. But yes, it's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. 
Likely nomination for me, Mike, is Lena Waithe for Queen and Slim. She wrote the one of the best episodes of television I've ever watched, especially recently, the Thanksgiving episode of Master of None. That's the Aziz Ansari show. Mm. She's been crushing it as a TV writer. Queen and Slim has got this Bonnie and Clyde premise. I'm so excited for that movie. So she is such a great talent. This movie is looking Oscar-y. I love the stills. I love the, we love the trailer. Yep. I'm afraid it's going to get pigeonholed into that new and cool and great category, but... We don't want to nominate it everywhere, yeah. so this is where we'll nominate it. She is going to be awesome to walk red carpets. Everybody loves her, so Lena Waithe getting that original screenplay. I like that pick. I'm hopeful for that pick, and I, like I said, I'm very, very excited for that movie in general. If we're talking about original screenplays, though, and likely nominees, doesn't Jordan Peele have to make a mention here? You've been consistent with this. Like, it's the most original idea we're probably going to get on screen in 2019. And he's already proven to be an Academy love. He's one for one in the in the in his career as far as winning his original screenplays, never mind being nominated for them. Sure. So I can't imagine they overlook him. I I think it's gonna be a bloated category, but I think he ends up finding his way there, if not for director. I wonder if he overshot the mark with the mythology of that movie. I don't think he'll win. I, right. I, like, I, I think there's red, enough red flags where I don't think he's going to win at this time. I still say scene for scene, I'd put that movie up against anything. You know, if you get past the exposition dumps, uh, the fact that there are, yeah. you know, necessary exposition dumps, even those scenes are great. Yeah. But every scene in that movie is pretty I phenomenal. wonder where, speaking of where the Academy will give the credit to, if they lean more towards a directorial job for that or a screenplay job for that. I'd be shocked if that movie gets a ton of... Oscar love. I'm, I agree, and that's why I say I, I think it might only get one of those two. So, so Lupita I wonder where they put screenplay yeah, for Lupita, me would make yeah. some sense. If not, best song just overall. Just original <laughs> score. Best song. Does it, original, non-original, <laughs> specialty Oscar to I've Got Five on it. Thank you. Just best song, period. Yes, best song. Yeah. Done. <laughs> What's your wild card here, Mike, for original screenplay? I have Harriet from Gregory Allen Howard. He is the writer of Remember the Titans and Ali, which... I stand by. I think that Michael Mann movie is good. I like okay. it. Okay. I know some people don't like it. I like it a lot. I love the I screenplay. I agree that it existed. <laughs> Plus, you have Casey Lemons. She co-wrote it. She was the writer-director of Eve's Bayou. Mike, I don't know if this is going to be Mary Queen of Scots, and it was. it's going to be super hyped like, like that film was, and then it's going to fall flat, or... If it's going to be something that was super hyped like a Phantom Thread or The Favorite and delivers a ton of noms. Yeah. I don't know what this movie's going to be. Harriet, for both you and our buddy Clayton Davis, there is like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for me. It's like if you just say it in enough categories, you'll look smart at some point once the nominations are released. Yeah, <laughs> I had it with original score and I'll be considering it a bunch going forward. But it's dicey because Casey Lemons has had one of those strange and maybe almost tragic careers because she's had fewer opportunities than most. Eve's Bayou was good, but it was messy. Mm -hmm. Talk to me with Don Cheadle was strong. That was a good movie about radio. We should watch that because we are kind of doing some bastardization of radio right not now. Not familiar. Caveman's Valentine with Samuel Jackson got mixed reviews. I remember not liking that. So Harriet could honestly go either way. It really could. There's enough people, we're going to talk about Harriet a lot throughout this episode, as you'll come to realize, but there's enough people out there that certainly are very high on it that makes me think that it's you, you're probably safe in picking it. And again, this is the Harriet Tubman story. Right. And this is not the Ozzy and Harriet story or no, whatever other no. Harriet I could think of. Harriet the, the Spy. Harriet the Spy story. No, this is the Harriet Tub, Tubman Underground Railroad story. So we're talking about an American hero. We're talking about someone who's just going to have this presence on screen no matter who's playing her. If you yeah. just say, that's Harriet Tubman, I'm like getting goosebumps right, right now. Sure. So put it's going to work on Put her on the $20 bill too, please. Exactly. Enough of this dicking around. But I was thinking about, I, I like the Harriet pick. I was thinking about putting it in my likely now section, honestly, but just for the sake of being different, I'll say Joe Talbot, Jimmy Fowles, and Rob Reichert for their incredibly positively reviewed African-American gentrification movie of The Last Black Man in San Francisco. It's I got to see that soon. I do, I do too. I haven't, but the people that have seen it give it incredibly high marks. It's, it's being reviewed very well. It's a very relevant and current film. It's got supposedly remarkable cinematography in it and writing already, and it's had Sundance success as well. Joe Talbot won the directing award in the Dramatic category and the U.S. Dramatic Special Jury Award in the Creative Collaboration category. The more I learn about the movie, the harder I struggle with actually classifying it as an underdog or wild card at all, to be honest, because everybody's just so high on it that when they talk about it. Yeah, but it's not showing up on all the lists yet. That's all true. All the awards pundits list that we love 
to scour and right. nitpick, and we love to have them on the show when they're, they're able to do that. We did last year, like Clayton Davis, like Scott Feinberg. So I don't know if it's going to break through. I worry that it's getting this midsummer release. It's worth noting that original screenplay has been a category lately, taking last year aside, but the last couple years prior to that, where they have picked at least one nominee that's a relative newcomer that's working on one of their first few movies. We had both Peel and Gerwig and Emily Gordon and Kumail Nanjiani for the Big Sick in 2017-18. Taylor Sheridan got a nom for Heller High Water in 16-17. Andrea Burloff and Jonathan Herman did Straight Outta Compton in 15-16. So there's a precedent here for at least one of the nominations in the original screenplay category to go to a relative neophyte that's just getting their uh, feet wet here in the Hollywood industry. Absolutely. I think that's a good narrative to keep an eye on and something that you can look forward to. That's, it opens up the field, yeah. really, to a lot of these movies that we love sure. and that are underdogs for a lot of nominations. But that makes sense. Total sense. Supporting actor, Mike. That's where we'll go next. Let's talk about some people to keep an eye on here, Michael. What's the, the list? The American's Matthew Reese apparently is in a beautiful day in a neighborhood. Like, who is he? The mailman. He's the mailman? I have no idea. No, He's the king. He's the puppet king. He's the puppet king? <laughs> it's just Matthew Reese? Just Tom Hanks with his hand up Matthew Reese's back. <laughs> Who is he in that movie? I have, I have no, no clue. Idea. Maybe Le- his son? There's, a, there's like an estranged son story to be told there, kind I of. No. Yeah. Leslie Odom Jr. from Murder on the Orient Express, he's looking like the face of the guy who sang at Hamilton, who's one of the major stars of Hamilton. Okay. I don't know if he's the guy. I know he was in Smash, <laughs> so he could sing Red Tails. I have a major gap in my theater. Uh, uh, you, you've been mentioning that lately. Yes. Uh, he's in Harriet, like I said. Al Pacino's in The Irishman. Jonathan Price is playing one of many evil popes in The Pope. Mm. I don't know who's the most evil of the popes. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins. Is Jude Law in there? I mean, that's becoming a rumor that we've started. It's a Netflix movie. Bill Pullman is in the untitled Todd Haynes Project. How about the president from Independence Day, Mike, getting Oscar buzz again? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Talk about Oscar buzz for someone who's not yeah. gotten a lot of Oscar I'm buzz. I'm excited career. about this. Wesley Snipes yeah. and Dolomite is my name. Why? Well, I mean, because only because he actually is a pimp out of the 1970s, so oh it makes God. sense. And Robert Fairchild from Cats. So who do you have as a frontrunner here, Michael, for supporting actor? I have to go with Brad Pitt from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood at this juncture. Yeah. I think this is a strange category right now. Nobody's really jumping out at me. So by default, I'm thinking like the biggest movie in the category is at least going to get a nom. So I'm not going to look as foolish as I might at the end of the day when if I pick one of the other guys. Right. I think that Brad Pitt is going to be in the Manson family plot line. I agree. Of this movie. Seems that way. So he's going to have some big scenes. Yeah. He's going to have a lot of comic relief. So he's going to get us to like him early. He has not won an Oscar, and he's had a great career. Yeah. This might be it. He's turning into one of those veteran guys that you're thinking, when's his time going to come now that Leo's checked his box? I think that's a safe bet. I think that's a good pick, and I also think that it goes along with the narrative I've pitched in part one when we were talking about supporting actress, how there's this unique look to the field this year that there's a lot of A-listers and historical Oscar contenders and historical Academy loves that are taking supporting roles for some reason in these movies that we all assume will be Oscar contending movies. Pitt is a great example of that and why I think both supporting, you have to pick one of the A-listers that's doing this as your leave, your front runner right now yeah. pick for the supporting categories. But you picked a nobody well, supporting in that, actress, though. What was it? Meryl Streep, right? Yeah, yeah I've never that? heard of her. I got a lot of faith in her coming out. I am out, such a dad joke <laughs> nerd. It's terrible. But to, in that vein, I was going to pick Gary Oldman for Women in the Window here and say that if he's breathing, he's an Oscar contender, but we just learned three days ago that Women in the Window apparently is not looking like a coherent film yet. Disney is kind of questioning what they're going to do with it, and also it's a confusing to screening audiences, so they're taking five days to reshoot it, and they're going to push it out to a 2020 release. Crazy. You have Amy Adams, Gary Oldman, yeah. more people. You have, uh, more, there's more than Joe that. Wright is Joe directing Wright it. is directing it, who's been nominated a ton. Right. Then you have Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor doing the score, Makes which no I sense. picked. Right. An original score. How can that be a mess? I don't get it. Tracy Letts wrote the screenplay, yeah. and I thought adapted screenplay from the you know the guy who's revered for his theater work was going to be someone who's a likely not. Yeah. Go figure. So, I, I, in that vein, I will pick a different A-lister in a different supporting role in a different movie. You said Jonathan Price. I actually picked him for something else. Go listen to part one. I picked him in part one. But I'll pick his counterpart, Anthony Hopkins, who's playing the other pope here as part two for the supporting actor. Uh, How are race. there two popes? 
They're, they're multi-dimensions. It's just, it's just a pope on pope. It's a, apparently it's a conversation about the church and current events and all that between the so two, cards. between Be- Pope Benedict who left and the other pope that came in. So it's uh, it, it could be current. It could also have some giant red flags about two old white dudes talking about relevant issues and current events. So we'll see how it plays. I think we're dumb shit, sir. I'm a dumb shit because I definitely said multiple popes on multiple occasions. There's only one pope. Well, there's only, yeah, but for like a half a second where one hasn't quite stepped down yet, but the other one's in, maybe there's maybe multiple there's popes. Multiple popes. <laughs> Who do you have for a likely nominee for the sport? Really upset category? that there's not multiple evil popes. Like <laughs> I wanted, I wanted that. Well, but there of you go. Course, there's your, there's your premise for your screenplay. Nonsense. That's nonsense. <laughs> and it just dawned on me. My God, I Pope say some you. things This sometimes. time it's sacrilege. <laughs> and, and that dad joke. I could have totally <laughs> held back that dad joke previously. Totally. And in my head, it was like, don't say it. Don't say it. Meryl Streep is very famous. Well, like every other pope, Mike, you're doing God's work here. <laughs> Likely nominee for me is Willem Dafoe, our pal William. Yeah. I like to call him William. From the last thing he wanted. This is the D. Rees movie. He's been knocking on the door the past few years. Yeah. He got nominated in Best Actor last year, Best I mean, Supporting Actor. If he can actor. land a nomination for At Eternity's Gate, he can get a nomination for anything. <laughs> he was good in At Eternity's Gate, but you're sure. right. Sure. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I do think Netflix is going to spend big bucks on this. This has got a ton of buzz. I do think the whole perception on Netflix is changed after Roma really broke through in a bunch of categories last year. It was the front runner, I would have argued, after A Star is Born weighing down in terms of buzz. The story has a crazy premise, though. Anne Hathaway becoming some, like, undercover whatever. She basically becomes like a government spy. Right. She's like a news reporter that becomes an arms dealer. Yes. (laughs) Uh, That was the the crazy part. Like, she becomes a spy, then an arms dealer. Like, what the hell's going on? Still, the Rees has been knocking on the door for a while, so could be. And she has success with Netflix. She's the one that did Mudbound, and it led to a couple of war- or nominations at the Oscars two years ago. Uh, don't mind that pick at all. I would, Like I said, for the frontrunner pick, I was going to pick Gary Oldman from Women in the Window. So for the likely nom, I'll pick Gary Oldman for his role in what will be Laundromat that's got a stack cast. He's playing alongside Mel Streep there. It's a big issue movie. It's talking about it's basically the backstory of the Panama Papers and that whole one of the many controversies that kind of gotten swiped under the rug in the last few years that don't That's really matter too. anymore. Yeah, I'm learning all these Netflix plots right now. There's not more than one Pope, evil Pope. <laughs> and it's not just Meryl Streep and Gary Oldman running a laundromat. Yeah, yeah. It's about the Panama Papers? Yeah, it is about the Panama Papers. It's not a laundromat at all. I'm sorry. They would be great just They're running a laundromat. money, Michael. <laughs> well, I figured, I figured there's going to be some of that. I hope. I really hope I really hope it's about them owning the laundromat. Just, just like putting bleach in the colors by accident and it turns into a whole drama Meryl narrative. Streep <laughs> figures out who's stealing clothes like from all the other... Uh, like, that'd be great. I... Sure. <laughs> Whatever helps you, man. I had a whole, I'm upset myself, I had a whole spiel written out about how I was going to pull for Gary Oldman to be the first actor since 2007 to bowl double duty and get two nominations at the same show, but Joe Wright and the Women in the Window ruined that for me, so thanks. The audiences ruined it for you. Yeah. The, 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 whoever those audiences are, those test audiences. Be smarter. How dare you? Understand I, Joe Wright's that, genius. Isn't that scary? Like, yes. We didn't get it. <laughs> It's a novel! It's an adaptation! I, I, I am curious to see. I would love to see what that first cut is. Just to see how off base. Because you're right. You laid out the facts that it makes no sense that this is something audiences, quote, wouldn't get. If we walk out of a movie and we don't get it, don't we want to immediately like see it again? We're like really excited. And we want to study it. We want to figure it out. Yeah, but how many A-listers have been in movies that we didn't get? You know, that doesn't that doesn't add up to me. I, mother? Jennifer Lawrence and Mother? And we got that, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know either. Wild card, who you got? My wild card is Taika Waititi for Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. If, if he makes Hitler funny, <laughs> Mel Brooks style, and somehow dramatic, we're gonna have some Oscar buzz. If he pulls this off, I mean, this is boomer bust. It could totally yes, go bust. Yes, agree with that. I don't understand this movie. Still, this is a no, very odd-looking movie to me. And what what is the premise of this one? I don't know. Apparently, there's a family hiding. Jews during the World War II. Scarlett Johansson's in the fan. I don't know. But Taika Waititi and, is playing the Hitler character. And the, I think it's in the kid's imagination of Hitler. That's right. That's right. That's it's what like an imaginary is. friend. Right. I don't know if that's true at all. I thought there was two evil popes. Right. I really don't know. <laughs> You're having a rough day here. <laughs> uh, uh, I will go with Pesci. Because I would love to see Pesci come out of retirement, show all the young kids he's still got it in him and can do it whenever he wants, and I hope he would rival his Goodfellas acceptance speech where he just walked up to the stage and said, thank you very much. (laughs) 
I have no idea what for, what shape he's in. I no have no idea. idea how much he could possibly be in The Irishman, right? He, he might, can't be at, have that many scenes. He might be at a different decibel level like <laughs> than all the other characters. He might have forgotten what he's supposed to do. Like I have no idea how he's gonna how he's gonna hang. In Man, if one. Scorsese can get him one more Oscar run of Joe Pesci for The Irishman, I would be so. <laughs> it's happy. a wild card. We I both would be so happy. Yeah, we both picked risky picks <laughs> in supporting actor. Costume design is where we'll go next, Michael. Let's talk about some names to keep an eye on. Once upon a time in Hollywood, Harriet Aladdin. Yeah. Really? Yeah, Aladdin. Rocket Man, The Irishman, 1917, Dumbo, Little Women, Cats. All right, let's get into it. Downton Abbey is the front runner because <laughs> people don't even know, bro. Yeah, they don't even know. <laughs> These costumes are spectacular. Last year's win for Black Panther, yeah, was a breath of fresh air. Certainly in was the category. But this branch typically goes for the period piece. Yes, they do. I think they're going to go back to their roots here. I think those gowns are going to dazzle them. I think those. You know, smoking jackets. Yeah, a lot of dazzle jackets, me, yeah. and I'm in. And you have an affinity and a, an attachment to this property. You're looking forward. Unfortunately, to this yes. yes. Unfortunately, <laughs> so, I do. I think your logic is is right. I just think you picked the wrong period because <laughs> the king is coming out with Timothy Chalamet and Robert Pattinson and a lot of people, and I think the period that they'll they'll reward will be with the high, you know, those big hats with the long, the big hats, yeah, the corsets. And the shield the of armors. The big hats atop corsets? Yeah, this is like what all the people in the Middle Ages wore, right? Man, you don't watch <laughs> enough of that, do you? You don't watch any of that, actually. I'm thinking of those like cone-shaped hats with like the flag coming off it, or that piece of thing coming like off it. Like the Ku Klux Klan? No, what are you talking no, about? Not the Klu- not, it doesn't cover your face. The cone hats? Yeah, it's just like a giant cone. Like Women wore it. Oh, my God. Anyway, the king is my pick. <laughs> All right, Who's that's your not likely my nominee. I'm going to be against that movie from here on out just because <laughs> of that floundering explanation. My likely nominee is Dolomite Is My Name because it's Ruthie Carter, and she won yeah. last year. Finally. And Pimpin' Ain't Easy mostly because of what you have to wear. <laughs> Gotta look the part. So she's going to crush this. This is going to look great, even if it's slimy. I think they're going to show that it's slimy, yeah. so we'll see. Uh, I'm cheating with my answer as far as a likely nominee for for a costume design because my answer is going to be something Disney live action. I want to think it's Maleficent because yeah. it already received nomination in 2014 and there's a lot more flashier outfit changes in this one. There's a lot more color in this one. We have those Disney characters that we know that are the three aunts or fairies. You're, you're crushing fantasy fans of this what podcast. What the hell are those? I cannot remember what those three women are in this. Uh, fairy godmothers. Is yeah. that what they are? I don't know. Okay. Well, they're know. in this movie. They're in this. I'm <laughs> so I sure think, they're the fairy godmothers. I think there's a lot to play with with the Maleficent uh, uh, characters and with that property. So I would like to see that nominated. Aladdin, I do think, is a possibility because the look seemed like it resembled very much the cartoon. It's gonna. It looks like Xena the Warrior Princess. Yeah, but it looks like the cartoon. I think it looked terrible, but I haven't seen it yet. I just calling out the trailers. Just going off what you've seen. I, the I can't believe that. I can't believe it's getting buzz. Even though I hear the movie's pretty good, yeah. and we probably got to see it at some point. I'm kind of waiting for video. I don't have. I'll the never imperative see. To go. Uh, Disney live action films though do do well in costume design. Mary Poppins Returns, Beauty and the Beast, Into the Woods, Maleficent, and Alice in Wonderland have all landed themselves nominees yes. in this category since 2010. That all said, it's going to fucking be Cats, isn't it? It is going to be Cats. What are we talking about? We're both very dumb. God damn because it. Of course it's going to be Cats because Tom Hooper movies get Oscar nominations. I am so not looking forward to having to go see Cats. But what if they really look like cats i don't care <laughs> my wild card pick is rocket man because yeah. they put their own spin on all of elton's iconic looks so th- that's a major mark in their favor uh, whoever saw a commercial for this movie never mind the actual film itself is going to be gaga for all those costumes because yeah. it was so unique and then the, their spin and they seem very historically accurate to some of his famous moments uh, in elton john's career with the dodgers outfit and those big plumage feathery peacock outfit he the had. movie's like a montage yeah. of all of his crazy performances yeah i could absolutely see that landing nomination i think that's a decent call especially for a wild card uh, i hate repeating myself but jordan peele's us as far as a wild card pick was pretty spectacular with their costumes you not only had the cult-like unigarb of the doubles but also you had a bunch of easter eggs and subtext hidden some shirts and other garment pieces that characters wore right from the jump 
if something like this were to find its legs in a category like costume design, it would indicate to me that the Widening Academy is really putting thought and care into more than just the look of a garment or like, oh, that's a period piece. Look at those high hats with those flags coming off the top of them. We should nominate them. I hear your optimism here, and I hear you pushing this movie a lot. Yeah. There is no way in hell I know. us <laughs> is getting nominated for Best yeah. Costume Design when they're basically in orange jumpsuits, which is just like... Well, they're red jumpsuits. They're, red they're, jumpsuits. they're all red it's, unigarb, yeah. It's too understated is going to be my... I, I don't think you're wrong. I don't see this having much of a chance. Am I crazy for thinking Endgame might actually have a chance, though? Perhaps. I just don't think it gets the obvious credit here. Well, you typically don't watch a Marvel movie... Uh, then again, Black Panther won it last year. But Black, that was so Black culture. Panther was steeped in history and culture, I yeah. agree. But So the Marvel movies, they have to look just like the comics, right? And for Endgame, they... All had to look just like the comics because they were all going to be on screen at one point. So all of the costumes had to be there and accounted for. I don't know, maybe from a degree of difficulty standpoint. We love it. So we love it. I yeah. just don't know if Academy members are going to be like that's no question. You about would it. think if Endgame is going to compete for Best Picture though, or Best Screenplay, or Best en- anything in the majors, it's going to have to land one or two undercard nominations somewhere. Sounds isn't Sounds and VFX. Yeah, I would guess would be the obvious ones. Original score, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Makeup and hairstyling. Yeah, so this is going to be our first category with a relevant rule change as of this past April, which we covered at the time. Historically, only three nominations made this category, and now it's going to be expanded to five from here on out. And with that, the short list of nominations will also increase from its usual seven up to ten. So congrats, Academy, on making makeup and hairstyling an actual category. Yeah, like it's everything a full, else. Much fuller. Why category. did this take so long? I don't know. I don't. As if the like, makeup and hairstyle sense. industry isn't wholly responsible for the live action, what we see in live action features all the time. Well, just look at what the uh, shortlist is, kind of from Clayton Davis. You got Harriet, Aladdin, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Little Women, The Dead Don't Die, The Goldfish, Ford versus Ferrari. These are some of these movies are not obvious picks in previous years. Only the showy movies for makeup and hairstyling would even get nominated. Yeah. Well, you you, you're hitting on a point that I'm I'm making about why it's so difficult for me to pick a front runner because there isn't that like we there's no vice this year right you know and that's an obvious one there's no darkest hour this year which was an obvious one but if every hairstyle in harriet makes sense for the period sure and is well done and it's seamless and the same thing for once upon a time in hollywood if that if that looks great then let's go with it What's your favorite here, Mike? Your front runner. This was very, very difficult for me. There's no Darkest Hour. There's no Vice. There's no Suicide Squad. There's no Mad Max. These were kind of obvious as far as talking about makeup leaders. Yes. And they're not only things that we thought were obvious when they debuted, when the films debuted, but they actually would go on and sweep award season and win the Oscar in this category. So the last few years, we've kind of been spoiled, I guess, because we've had the winner pretty front and center i don't see one this year tell me if i'm wrong the closest one i can land on is that untitled roger ailes project if they can make john lithgow actually look like roger ailes and there's a bunch of women portraying real life women whose job it is to look like they're on tv all the time so they have a certain aesthetic and a certain makeup look that they have to hit right on to make them look like their real life counterparts if that all's done i could see that movie being the one we all land on shouldn't necessarily be hard for actresses who are on tv all the time in a way but i would want something fraudulent to happen in this category so here here's my pitch i want john lithgow to defraud the makeup and hairstyling category. I just want him to be really fat. And then I want them to shoot documentaries about them putting on the fat suit, but it's really just him being, he's just fat, that they pretend to put on the fat suit, and then they he actually has no makeup, and it looks perfect. And they're like, oh my God, this fat suit! John Lithgow's just eating and eating. So and after he wins the Oscar, yeah. I want him to just... I want him to just show how an eating montage. No, I was just really fat. Or at the Oscar stage, he's still that fat, but he actually lost the weight in real life. So then he takes off his fat suit. (laughs) And not only then was he wearing the makeup. (laughs) We're dumb. Cats is going to win this category. We have to liven this up. It's boring for all two of us who never put on makeup in our lives to say cats. It's going to be cats. Tom Hooper makes movies with super high production values. He makes Oscar-y films. Even if the movie's not good. Even if it's yes. like a 40 percenter, Even if it's a flop. The makeup and hairstyling is going to be So the only reason something. I didn't do cats is because isn't there? aren't they relying somewhat on animation there too? 
I have no Didn't idea. Didn't I read about that? That I think they're going to do some kind of computer graphics with some of these. So I don't know if that's going to be all could be live action or what it is. So I kind of was scared away by that. Likely nominees. I don't know. Judy makes sense, right? Trailer. She, she, she looks, looks dolled good. up. She looks like Judy Garland. She doesn't look like trailer. Renee Zellweger. I'm also a guy that's been bald and not hidden my acne for the past seven years. So for me to talk like I have any expertise about hair and makeup probably isn't the best. <laughs> she sure is pretty. <laughs> sure is pretty. I wonder if that's makeup or not. Yeah, I don't know. I think everybody's pretty in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So that's my pick for likely nomination. I think Brad and Leo and Margot, their hairstyles... Their hair looks great. <laughs> I have no argument. <laughs> I Their don't hair know. looks great. <laughs> I don't know. This is a hard category to pick. It's probably... That's what I mean. It's so much easier the yeah. last four or five years because we have that glaringly obvious pick this that we can at least tie our, our mask to and say this is going to be there. We probably should be going with the Disney picks here, like Aladdin and Maleficent. Maleficent? <laughs> Nailed that. Malelephant. Malelephant. I don't know. I th- Like Dumbo. Like Dumbo is a, the worst movie, but... Pretty good makeup, I would yeah. say. Uh, Maybe. I don't know. Perhaps. I really don't I just know. hated the backgrounds. I am lost if we don't have a leader in this category. Like, if we don't, if something doesn't debut in, like, May or June, <laughs> and at, we know that it's going to be there at the end of the day, I have no insight to offer. <laughs> yeah, if you're not able to put a big, <laughs> big bet on makeup and hair. My reasoning was just, oh, she looks like Judy Garland. <laughs> so for my wild card, I'll, I held off long enough. I'll piggyback what you just said. I'll pick... Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and if it's going to be a serious contender in the Big Five, it's going to have to land on some of these. That guy does look like Charles Manson. Leo and Brad do look great. That other guy does look like Bruce Lee, so, okay. They're going to have productions within the production, too, so there's going to be a lot of, you know, makeup that is a send-up of the productions of that time period. I don't know. I want that movie just to be two hours of Leo dancing in front of those words. I agree. I'm also lost in this category. Rocket Man, I thought the Elton hair was great. I know he doesn't have real hair like that, so I think they did a good job. This may be, for those of you that are interested in comedy that we offer in our brand of comedy, which is a very niche brand of comedy, I'd say, uh, if you're looking to make fun of us, I would hold tight to this category. Yeah. Because we are two men pissing into the wind with this. We have no idea. <laughs> Let's talk about animated feature next. It's another category facing some changes from the Academy, so just as a reminder, no longer is there a requirement that eight theatrical animated releases uh, happen in a calendar year in order for this category to go forward at the Oscars. That's probably a good thing because we are past the stage where we don't get eight animated films a year anyway, especially with the international features. Also, nominations voting is automatically open to all members of the animation branch of the Academy. How it used to be previously was that voters would have to opt in to be considered for the nomination voting for the animated feature category. That's no longer the case. Mike, let's talk about some things to keep an eye on. Missing Link, I disagree with that. I'm going to review it on uh, MMO Weekly. Sean the Sheep 2. You big fan of Sean the Sheep One, Mike? <laughs> well, I don't know. You you have little niece and nephew. No, never watched Sean the Sheep One. I have. I, I just. I don't. If I you know. Can get a sequel, if you don't know, if then you, I don't know. If you can get a sequel done in Hollywood, <laughs> and I have no, I I've never heard of the original. That's I mean, that's a big deal. The Wonder Park <laughs> trailers looked okay, but I, that movie didn't do that great. That movie, I was doing research. I was debating whether I was going to bring this up or not. I won't say his name, but the director, I don't think wants anything to do with it because he's uncredited on IMDb. Huh. His name is there, but it says in parentheses next to him, uncredited. I don't I don't know if he wanted to separate himself from the movie or if the studio was just upset with how it turned out. The zombie monkeys were not his idea. That was just thrown at him <laughs> at the end. It's like, no, we're going with zombie monkeys. Well, then I'm out! I'm out if you want to go with this zombie monkeys. This picture needs zombie monkeys. <laughs> Can't believe we're talking about Wonder Park like this. Mm. Uh, Oko's in, Akko's in. Sure. I don't know what that is. I know uh, Spies in Disguise. I've heard of that. That, that trailer's funny. Yeah, that is. trailer really is funny. Uh, per, perhaps it's coming out December, I want to say. yep. It's coming out late, so it might get a late push. Playmobil, The Missing Piece. Isn't that like a little, little kid's This is a thing? film based on a series of toys, like as most animated films have been leaning towards lately. I don't know what you're talking about. The Lego Movie 2... <laughs> also here the secret life of pets too i'm sad that that's not getting enough buzz i still wanted to see that but i'm probably waiting for video abominable had a beautiful yeah and look it was funny too ugly dolls i your pick picked that (laughs) very embarrassingly so i apologize that'll come up again while we're talking about this category don't worry boonwell in the labyrinth of the turtles i was so close to picking this based solely off its name (laughs) 
I did some research. It actually looks interesting. It's is a foreign it animated film. Luis Bunuel? Uh, that I don't know. <laughs> Slicing up eyeballs? <laughs> that, that I don't know. I didn't see. <laughs> Funan, of course. Naturally. Call of the Wild, which, you know, last year we had a White Fang Netflix movie that was solid. I I thought it was solid. I have no idea what Call of the Wild, but now they're doing all the... Got, uh, IMDb has it listed as a 2020 movie right now, so I don't know if that'll change, but that's just where we're standing with that. And Wish Dragon is the other one. Yeah. This is why, I mean, what, what you just said is why we'll never have to worry about there only being eight animated features released in a calendar year, because mm-hmm. the international market alone has just grown, burgeoned yes. with all these animated features, and it's a feather in their cap, and hopefully they can make some headways into this, uh, like they did last year with Mirai. Which, unfortunately, just came to us, like, recently. Yeah. So it's... We don't get the animated features in time always. No. I mean, it's it's early days. It's, it's... AMC does do, like, the special nights. Right. Know, the, the premieres and whatnot. And they'll do, like, a Tuesday, Thursday thing. Oh, cool. A couple days. So I'm, I'm going to try and catch these niche noms or whatever it's buzzed about. This year I'm going to try and catch those special events. Anyway, the obvious front runner to me yeah. at this point is Toy Story 4. Cosign. What's your likely nom? It's Frozen 2. Cosign. Now, those could easily flip-flop. Interchange, yeah. If Frozen Agreed. 2 is great, but to me, this is a two-film race at the moment, and I, I, I'm going to have to see something great to... Yeah, I kind of feel bad for not having anything unique or interesting or, or offbeat to say about this. Yeah, but, but we're right, though. Right. This when we're right, we're right. seems like a very obvious, it's going to be these two movies. It doesn't look like there's an Into the Spider-Verse that's going to take everything by storm, at least no, not yet. Not yet. Uh, I guess maybe... The surprise could be abominable, depending on how that does, or spies, uh, spies in disguise, maybe. But otherwise, it seems like. What if somebody during the premiere of The Lion King is like, so when we animated this whole film, <gasps> well, he, like closes his mouth. That's the only point that I have that written down. The Lion King is classified on IMDb as an animated picture. So if The Lion King is considered an animated, that's the only other property I can think of making a big deal and not having this category become a Toy Story 4 versus Frozen 2 off. How is that not an animated film? Everything is CGI. So are they out there in Africa sweating their green-suited balls off (laughs) and they're all just frolicking in Africa like you have Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen in green suit onesies in the middle of the African Seth you gotta gallop like a warthog Seth (laughs) and everything is green behind them but they're in Africa doing (laughs) it right I have I don't know I have what? no insight. I don't know what this is. And if it is considered an animated feature, why isn't it being talked about more as so, something so obvious to the category? Like, Aladdin seems like it's a mix between sure. live action, right. literally, Obviously. and animation. Yeah. This seems like it's all animation. Right. I agree. What are they talking about? I why isn't The Lion it. King in, in the middle of this category? It's early. The Lion King does come out this week. Some people have seen it. Everybody has the exact same review of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we'll maybe get some more insight on this as the months pass and we get closer to reward season. What about your wild card for animated feature, Mike? How to Train Your Dragon 3, The Hidden World. No! Ugly Dolls! No, it can't be Ugly Dolls. <laughs> I did not see Ugly Dolls. I'm very ashamed of my early pick for Ugly Dolls. Yeah, Mike had that pick during our 100% accurate 2020 However, show that came out the day after last year's Oscars. If this is like a three-film category, and then they're like stretching for a nomination, and they have like, you know, all the big... Are you making the case for Ugly Dolls if to Ugly sneak Dolls sneaks in... <laughs> I'm going to be really happy with myself because I still had the instinct to pick it. I'm leaving that open. My triumph um, after Ugly Dolls gets nominated. But I do think How to Train Your Dragon 3 would have been nominated in other years. I think it's on that level. Yeah, I have a problem with it even being considered a long shot because each of the first two movies in the trilogy both landed nomination. The first movie, I want to say, landed two nom. Or was it the second? One of them landed another nom as well. So I would be, I am expecting this movie to be in the category. I think that's a safe pick. And three seems to have higher scores across the board than two did anyway. For my wildcard pick, I'll say The Addams Family, just because I'd love to see that get a bit of a, a showing for a new generation sure. and kind of may be able to make its mark. And the macabre and the dreary and the horror is very mm-hmm. in right now. So I think it was in Clayton's top five. I don't oh, remember, good. but I, it's up there. Cinematography now, Mike. We have 1917, Ad Astra, Ford versus Ferrari, The Laundromat, not about yeah it's a, so for review laundromat panama papers government not meryl streep mixing whites with colors so it's in like, the washing machine 
so where they're in DC and beautiful scenery of DC with the shot by the iPhone with yeah. Steven Soderbergh. I mean, it's Gary Oldman and Meryl Streep. If they're on TV, or if they're on the screen, you get credits for just showing them. <laughs> all right, we'll see. I'm I'm suspicious. <laughs> the Pope. All right, it makes sense. The Vatican's yeah. beautiful, and then a beautiful day in the neighborhood, which is surprising to very, me a little bit. Very. I have a rationale. I picked that for one of the categories, but what's your front runner? My front runner right now is The Goldfinch by Just Roger. Such a smart pick by you. Roger Deakins. Because I think the trailer yeah. is showing off some great visuals. Uh, it's some highly dramatic stuff. There's that bomb that goes off in the museum mm. in the trailer that's visually arresting. It really got to me. I watched that trailer a couple times. All the dust, all the debris, really beautifully captured there. Then you have the music with the beautiful people jumping into pools and running down the New York City streets. That's an interesting... You're kind of making an interesting point that I don't even know if you realize you're making. So in cinematography, do we give credit to the music that accompanies some of these shots? Like, did Inception get helped in their cinematography case because of the bomb? Because it was so intertwined with the way it was shot? Well, now that you said that, now that you reenacted that, in fact, <laughs> I am seeing the Inception. I mean, this whole room is just going on top of itself. And Ellen Page, what are you doing here? <laughs> you're upside down, Ellen Page. Uh, yeah, you're right. I wonder if that's if that's a prevalent in the if Academy members are actually able to take out what they're seeing. Of course from they're what not, because they're, they're like yeah. us, and right. we don't know where to allocate the credit because yeah. we don't make movies on a daily basis, and, and a lot of them don't make movies in that category or whatever. I know the branch the branches vote for for certain things, but. So maybe it's something to do with cinematography. That's got to be. I'll do my homework on that. I'll look through the past cinematographer, uh, cinematography nominees. It'd be interesting to see if they had relevant soundtracks and sound effects <laughs> with what won. That that's fascinating. Yeah. That's a good study. It's like the basis for like a Oscars book, a niche yeah. Oscars book or something that I would read immediately. It's a shame. I hate writing. You're uh, <laughs> So I'm making a concerted effort to not pick the Goldfinch for anything this year, out of principle for the principle that. When the studio moves a picture from its October-November release to a September release... It's a red flag. Yeah, that's a giant red flag to me. So, based on that alone, I refuse to pick the Goldfinch. Though I do think, like I said, it's a smart pick by you. And I would be surprised if that doesn't land nomination. Um, so, this was the most difficult category for me to pick because I didn't have Roger Deakins to pick from. Can I say Apollo 11 and just no. give credit to the foresight that whoever shot all that archival footage with was shot it in such a cinematic way? I all think right. that is one of the more beautiful films we've seen this year. True, but no. Yeah, I know. All right, I'll be serious. I'll say Once Upon a Time here again in Hollywood. I know. I know I'm picking it for everything. But doing the Tarantino rewatch series has definitely tainted my brain. The man's films deserve at least a nomination in this category because he's always a master of cinematography. Yeah. And the DP, the director of photography on this particular movie, is Robert Richardson. He's already won this award three times for his work with huge directors. He did Oliver Stone's JFK, and then he won it twice for Scorsese movies, The Aviator and Hugo. And three of Richardson's most recent four nominations in this category are all from working with Tarantino already in Glorious Passage, Django Unchained, and The Hateful Eight. I would be very surprised if Once Upon a Time in Hollywood doesn't find its name here in the cinematography category. Yeah, great minds think alike, and that other great mind is, of course, moi. Huh? Quinn's going to get cinematography <laughs> yeah. nominations, and Robert Richardson as well. So that is my likely nomination. I think the establishing shots and, yep. and Glorious Bastards that we just Beautiful. covered. Absolutely gorgeous. Stunning. And, of course, the way he moves the camera, that's been a trademark of his entire filmography. And, you know, Quentin gets behind the camera at times, and Quentin just has such a, an eye for it. All right. All right, you know, about, just, you do have that's one of a, you are a decent impressionist, and that's one of your more underrated ones. You do have him nailed pretty well, <laughs> but then he he stops and he talks like this, <laughs> and, then, and then he keeps going, and he can't and he can't get out of it. He can't get out of this voice once he starts it. Robert Richardson's just on set, like I I need to be paid more. <laughs> Robert Richardson, I could just see Robert Richardson with like the dullest expression right. next to Tarantino, just talk, there's his hands and every like right. these. Such a close talk. Dead-eyed, blank stare. <laughs> okay, we'll try yeah. Let's do it. You right, want to get behind this? Let's one? try that. <laughs> I hope so. I hope he's that guy. Because he needs to be that guy. Right. I agree. I would love <laughs> Rob, write in. Let us know. <laughs> Let us know. You picked Once Upon a Time for the Likely Nom. I'm going with the other heavy favorite for my Likely Nom, The Irishman and Rodrigo Prieto. History will tell you that it's law, in fact, that Martin Scorsese, if he makes a film, it has to be nominated for Best Cinematography. Yeah. That's just fact. We all know that. It's this science. This is as ambitious as he's ever been. 
been, though. It is. The aging aging technology. My question is, and the only question, relevant question I have as far as Scorsese and cinematography goes is, who's going to be the guy that gets killed and lands with his arm stretched out like Jesus affixed to the cross while the camera camera zooms out from above? (laughs) Deborah! You got me! (laughs) My money's on Pacino. I think it'll be Pacino this time. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's why. Can I would De Niro say, yeah. do it? Can, if De Niro goes down, can he get up? <laughs> I'm sorry, that's mean. I know, but they're all old. Uh, <laughs> they're all old. That's an old guy joke. Wild card, Mike, for cinematography. What do you have? Harriet, yeah. because the stills just look absolutely stunning. I can go off on them for for minutes. I, I, you know, I put together the collages for our podcast, and I'm mm. always just like staring. At the stills for Harriet, when we you are very, very high on that movie. No, well, I think yeah. it looks beautiful. It does Stunning. absolutely. Uh, Cynthia Revo looks incredible in those stills. So we're gonna get a nominee here for this movie, even if it's bad though, too, just because the relevance, the look of it, the relevance. Yeah, right. even if it's bad, even if it's not the Oscar script, even if it's not the you know best picture nominee, it still could break in here. Again, anytime you pick, you could pick Harriet for any of these, and I know I, I busted your chops about it early, but in, in all seriousness, having not seen any of these movies yet, if you were to pick Harriet for everything, you're going to be right probably on a couple of them. So I, it makes a lot of sense. I'm just so afraid of getting overhyped, and then I, I, I would hate to dislike a movie like this, even if it's solid. Like, if it's solid and it's not the greatest movie of the year, I want to like How this do movie. you dislike this movie? What could happen that would make you dislike Marshall. the story of Harriet Tubman? Marshall. I wanted to love the Thurgood Marshall movie, and it was just a disappointment because I thought it was Oscar's okay, but, everything. But, but Marshall, even, and, and, and other movies like that, they don't have the historical cachet that the story of Harriet Tubman has. Mary Queen of Scots. I wanted to love yeah. Mary Queen of yeah. Scots, and it just didn't have it. Eh, fair point all right as far as a wild card pick for me for some reason through the 14 categories we've done thus far this was the most difficulty i've had coming up with an answer even fabricating one as far as a wild card pick for cinematography because i try not to be boring and by the book even though i've picked tarantino for every category so far (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i wanted to default on picking someone that had a bunch of nominations but hasn't won anything yet but unfortunately, my only options there were to take Caleb Deschanel, who has the most noms amongst actively working cinematographers without a win with six, but he's only doing The Lion King, and an animated feature, if it's an animated feature, has never won this it's category. It's apparently not an animated feature. It's just, apparently, he's just, like, shooting... Yeah, if he's in Africa, if he's in the Sahara, then, like, yeah, he can do it. He could win. I would... That makes sense, but if this is all pixelated, we're this is why the machines take over. Because now we're at this point in history where we just can't tell what's real and what's not anymore. It's a deep fake. It's one <laughs> right. giant deep fake. Right. This whole Lion King. This movie. is how this is how uh, Skynet happens. Yeah, but it doesn't even work towards Disney's cachet. Like they're the animated film company. Why wouldn't they put this in animated film? I don't. I, I don't have an answer. Maybe because Disney they, animated studios needs to win, or they, Pixar well, needs I, to well, win. I was going to say, so they want to win animated, and they want to win the real life ones with they the Lion King. VFX. So. What? the hell are they talking about someone at some point said this is our live action age where we remake all these movies live action but it's really not it's cgi it's a very cgi it's painfully obviously cgi so i wanted to pick the chanel can't happen wanted to pick bruno de bonnell who has five nominations and no win but he's doing the woman in the window and yep so <laughs> let's throw a dart at the board let's say jordy lee leaps leaps leapies leaps i'm sorry i don't know how to pronounce that name but he's doing beautiful day in the neighborhood if he can make it look better than the mr rogers documentary that came out last year that in and of itself is impressive it did look <laughs> impressive as a documentary i just don't get this one i'd be i'd be surprised it's got got to be super smooth got to look beautiful and that's the other reason you're right degree of difficulty because you think about it how can there be an awesome looking Mr. Rogers' biopic, and if he can pull it off, then I just think it deserves, it'll be wholly unexpected, and it'll be even more worthy of a claim. So that's kind of where I land on it. And he's been with other properties that have used vivid imagery, Manchester by the Sea, extremely loud and incredibly exploitative. Yeah, Could be. So best actress is where we will wrap up with here. Michael, let's run down some possibilities. So Kate Blanchett and Where'd You Go, Bernadette. This was supposed to come out this spring. It got pushed back. This is another one I'm not looking forward to, to be honest. It's been playing too many games. Richard Linklater, it. though. Yep. I know. I got pushed into a more Oscar-y spot, even though it's not an Oscar-y spot. Possible. Yep, certainly possible. Meryl no Streep. Someone called Meryl Streep. In Strape. A movie about just doing laundry in the laundromat. If you were to ever encounter her in real life, <laughs> would you poop your pants or would you piss yourself? <laughs> Could both be an yeah. acceptable answer? <laughs> Helen Mirren is the good liar. I'm saying she's the good liar. I had such a hard time not putting her in here. 
Right. Such a hard time. But is she the good liar yes. or is he the good no, liar? No, it's her. It's her. It's absolutely I agree. Her. At this point, I'm so convinced it's her, I will be shocked if it actually is Ian McKellen who is portrayed to be. <laughs> Anne Hathaway. Like, he's the bad liar. Right. Okay. <laughs> Anne Hathaway in The Last Thing He Wanted. Jodie Turner-Smith is supposedly going to burst on the scene as a, as a new force to be reckoned with in Queen and Slim. Yeah, if Queen and Slim wants to come along and take every category, like what we think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood might, I'm all for it. Scarlett Johansson, Mike, we all already had buzz for her in the Best Supporting Actress category yep. for Jojo Rabbit. Now here she is in an untitled Noah Baumbach project. A great band. You got to listen to, <laughs> listen to, they got a couple albums out. Greta! <laughs> Blake Lively in the rhythm section. This is a movie I know criminally too little about. I uh, want to know cosine. what this movie is. Cosine. Uh, I'm into that title, yeah. and I love that Blake Lively's in it. I love that Blake Lively's in the Oscar conversation because she was awesome in A Simple Favor. It also sounds like in a super group, the untitled Noah Baumbach project would be playing the rhythm section. Yeah, yeah. that's a, definitely a song. <laughs> like, they would name all the songs in their album after the other Oscar nominees. <laughs> right, right. Right? The sing, first single would be Lady Bird. <laughs> <laughs> Juliette Binoche in The Truth. Their turn to, like, the dark metal-ish would be House of the Devil. <laughs> we could go all yes. day. You could definitely go all day, but I, I'm trying to push us forward. Natalie Portman and Lucy in the Sky. I'm very intrigued by that. Looking forward to it. Charlize Theron in the Untitled Roger Ailes Project. Naturally. Felicity Jones in the Aeronauts. I know criminally little about that. You too. listing it here is the first I've heard of this movie. Florence Pugh in Midsummer. We loved her yep. in that. I don't think she'll show up. I think everybody will put her in their top 20. Yeah, this is like the stepping stone to Academy Relevance, I think, for her. I don't think this makes it. This gets her there, but I think this is like, wow, let's consider her for our next project. Kate Winslet is going to be in a movie called Blackbird. Blackbird singing in the dead of night. But it's Kate Win Winslet. I hear it's about the making of that song, actually. Black bean burger on a bed of rice. <laughs> and the parody. That's from Jeffrey James from yeah. uh, from Headgum there. He, he's, I stole I that got from you. him. I got you. He's a funny guy. Leslie Manville coming back after Phantom Thread in the best lead actress category this year from Normal People. Landed a surprise nom for supporting actress for her work in Phantom Thread. Academy apparently loves her. And then I'm going to mention Renee Zellweger and Judy. I'm going to mention Aquafina in The Farewell. I have seen Aquafina everywhere from somebody considering her a frontrunner to her not listed. So she's all over the place. All over the map. People love that movie, though. I can't wait to see it. So you just listed, what, 20 names? And there's so many so performances many. that we just don't know enough about yet that probably would be a surprise to nobody if they ended up landing a nom. Like you said, Scarlett, from Scarlett Johansson to Helen Mirren, from Anne Hathaway to Jodie Turner-Smith. There's newcomers like Aquafina and performances from old Academy standbys like Amy Adams. No longer Amy Adams. She'll wait until 2020, but I wrote this before I found that out, so <laughs> I'm saying it. Meryl Streep as well. So uh, what a tough category. You keep pitching that, and I appreciate it. This is a tough category to pin down. We'll do our best here. What do you have as a front runner? Cynthia Erivo. Yeah. From Harriet. Makes sense. Harriet Tubman. Because of one picture. Yeah. That's I've seen one picture. How pissed no. do you think Renee Zellweger is that that picture of Harriet seems to be getting more play than the still she put out of her first look as Judy Garland? Yeah. Because we talked about how, for whatever reason, these lead categories the last couple of years have gone to these people that have the viral picture of their yeah. performance first. True. Yeah. It just, it, you're right on. Yeah. But it definitely is like something like, oh my God, she's friggin' Harriet Tubman. That's Harriet Tubman, yeah. Well, like, Cynthia Erivo was awesome in a couple movies last year. She was great in uh, Bad Times at the El Royale. Yep. And uh, you, you were talking about while we edited out my nonsense about <laughs> she being great in Widows, Love right? her in Widows, yeah. Yeah, so... I think she's got the chops because she was a no Broadway Tony-nominated actress for The Color Purple, and then she stole the show in movies last year. This could be the breakout. So I will say, you, you align yourself in good company because I did my a fair bit of research through different award sites. There seems to be a consensus top three for this category right now, except now it has to be top two because one of them is was Amy Adams. But right. Every category, as far as front runners and heavy contenders, however you want to classify them, they have Cynthia Erivo, they have Saoirse Ronan, yep, and they have Amy Adams. Amy Adams, obviously, for Women in the Window, that's getting pushed off to twenty twenty. So Erivo and Saoirse Ronan right now seem to be the two names that everyone is most sure of having the best chance. Let's say for now, before we see these films ourselves, and simply. She's my likely nomination, Saoirse Ronan, because she always gets nominated. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, she's mine too, because you're right. <laughs> and she's worked, we've seen her work with Greta Gerwig, so. Uh, as far as a frontrunner, I, 
I've seen in this name all over the place too. I have faith in it. But Alfred Warder for Clemency, I think it's got a nice late in the year release date. I think it's distributed by Neon, who knows how to handle Oscar campaigns because yeah. they had Border last year. They had I, Tanya the year before, which won an Academy Award for an actress in a performance already. Sure. So I, I just have a lot of faith, and I know when I've seen Alfred Woodard, she's always got that strange, stressed, and crying look on her face, people, and she knows how to draw you in. People saw this performance at Sundance. I'm pretty sure it was awarded at Sundance when we covered that. Go back to our Sundance wrap-up uh, show there. So they already know she's great in this movie, right. just like they already know Annette Benning's great in the report. I don't think that's a question. It's just how is she going to stack up against the rest of the category? We don't know yet because a lot of those movies aren't finished yet. But, yeah, Sir Ronan versus Alfre Woodard versus... Cynthia Rebo. Cynthia Rebo right now. Our wild card, Lupita Nyong'o for us. It. I know yeah. we're both behind that. Would love it. Would love Aquafina too. She's getting a lot of positive publicity for that, for the farewell. Now, Tony Collette was someone we got behind last year. Are we going to push Lupita as hard as we push Tony? It's hard. It's lacking, isn't it? Isn't there something missing? Something slightly missing? I don't I don't know. They're two totally different, incredible performances. Radically different. Horror yeah. movie lead performances yeah. that I truly think should be recognized as the best in any year. I, I gotta watch it again, I think. And if, if I'm blown away again, because we saw it twice and we, we were like, oh my yeah. God, what is she doing? And we loved it. So I'll say this for Lapita, hands down, the leader in the clubhouse as far as films we've seen and as far as first half 2019 goes. And there's nobody close. Nobody There's close. nobody close to her as far as any film that's come out that yet. That could so. hold. That yeah, could absolutely. Hold. I would not be surprised to see her actually land the nomination. Will she win? I would love for her to. I hope she would. So we'll see. I also have my eye on Kristen Stewart. She's one of my personal favorites. Someone I've long thought was just a matter of time before she does get an Oscar. Yeah. Maybe her role in Against All Enemies finally does it. And I'm actually reading a, a streaming service battle narrative for this one because hmm. Coron brought Netflix all their Academy recognition, right? They're fi- they, they're playing with the big boys now. They broke through. They won their awards. Coron yeah. did it. All the money they paid, paid off. Amazon has yet to win an award, a major award, and they just haven't... They spent so much money. They spent 40-something million, 42, 43 million at Sundance alone this year purchasing properties. And for what they've purchased so far, you know, Bridget runs a, runs a marathon, I think was the name of one of them. They spent like 13 million on. Yep. Yeah. Late night, they spent like $15 million on. They haven't gotten a lot of return for their buck. This is another property, Against All Enemies, Kristen Stewart. It's it's a relevant one. It's a civil rights issue. It's got intrigue. It's kind of a suspense thriller as well. Somebody spying on somebody. I think it could have a chance. And I think Amazon needs to push, get behind solely one of their picks for this year yeah. and push it to the moon and put a lot of resources into it. Because Amazon needs a freaking Oscar. They do. And if they want to be considered on the same footing as Netflix, which a lot of people don't consider them on already. I mean, Netflix, when you think of streaming, Netflix is one. Amazon is two until Disney Plus comes along. They did do a nice job of Cold War last year. Yep. That was like a sneaky, awesome Agreed. campaign because that was a late release and we didn't know it was going to break through more than just... Best Good point. International feature back then called Best Foreign Language Film. We didn't know it was going to break through, and and I was a director and cinematography. Yeah. Was, yeah, it was incredible. It's a good point. That that burst onto the scene like that and shocked us on nomination morning. I don't know. I think th- they've done a nice job in campaigns before, going back to the big sick. So, yeah, they could totally get behind something and, and, and be successful. I think, it. I just think they need. Uh, a big five, big six. They they need big six, big six. They need an Oscar in one of those categories. Too much money thrown yeah. at it, not to to have the results. Yeah, I would agree. All righty. Well, that's part two in the books now of our mid-year Oscars report. Looking forward, giving you a bunch of names to keep your eye on, a bunch of performances as well. We have a three-part series, which means part three will be out for you during the week. Next week, we're going to cover the rest of the biggies, big ones left over here. we got directors still to talk about. Obviously, Best Picture we save until last. So that's going to be all kinds of stuff for you to look mm-hmm. forward to and be interested in. Uh, if you want to get at us, you have any comments about this show, part one, or anything else we do here in the MMO Empire, we want to hear your thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, like always, about anything we do here you can reach out to us we are mike mike and oscar on facebook mike mike and oscar on instagram at mm and oscar on twitter mike mike and oscar at gmail.com.com and on reddit we are available everywhere you hear podcasts whether that's TuneIn, stitcher soundcloud itunes spotify google play etc just type in mike mike and oscar you'll see our cartoon faces waving back at you and if you appreciate what we do here if you can leave us a five-star review on itunes those truly go a long way mike yes. that's a lot of rambling from me why don't you give these people some words of wisdom and tell them what's coming next wisdom here it is uh, there's only one pope <laughs> and look, I still think like Meryl Streep 
and Gary Oldman, if like they do an impersonation of my grandparents, yeah, who basically are the grandparents in The Princess Bride, <laughs> and they're always arguing, they're always hilariously arguing, right? And they're running this laundromat, but then on the on the side, like they're unfazed about how the people doing the Panama Papers or whatever are just <laughs> laundering money through them or whatever's like, happening. Oh, this doesn't affect our lives at yeah, all. Yeah, but then they're just this, their old selves, so they're just bickering all the time. That would be great. Would it make you feel better if Gary Oldman and Meryl Streep retired and just actually bought a laundromat to operate? Absolutely. <laughs> like, why won't they? I, th I want that. Shot it with an iPhone. Like, we didn't, like... They don't couldn't even tell they we were there. <laughs> well, maybe you should write a letter. I don't know, man. <laughs> Guys, when reality sucks, uh, like Mike's apparently does currently right now, finding out about the Panama Papers, you can watch these movies with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year round without the stuffiness. Uh, thanks for hanging out. We'll see you soon. See you.